podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au. Welcome back, everyone. We're here to deliver yet another order of the finance burrito in news form. And as always, the we includes myself, Liv G, and my pal, Tom Watson. And we're a couple of busy finance writers at comparison site Mozo, always writing, always exploring new exciting topics. So, Tom, what's been on your plate this week? What's been happening? Hey, Liv. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been a busy old week. There's been uh, some investing news, some property news, as always, a bit of car insurance in there. You know, it's all happening. And then this morning I got up super early, like 5 a.m. to watch some football. Ooh. So, I'm, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling wired after a couple of coffees. Oh, goodness. Yeah. You're always doing that. I find it just, you know, very impressive. Do you watch the sunrise or are you super focused on the game? Because I'm just like, wow. Yeah. So it was before the sunrise this morning, but I didn't open the curtains. But maybe tomorrow I will do that and watch it. Watch it come up. (laughs) Just imagining you like in like full like nerd bunker with like a computer with all the flashing lights, just like watching the football under a blank. And you're just like, this is all I do now. It is a little bit. It's a little bit sad (laughs) when you're by yourself in the dark, watching by yourself with the volume turned right down so you don't disturb anyone. You're like, this is something I enjoy. This is good. But you know this what? A lot of people do it. It's, it's um it's it's part of the part of the culture. So, you know, we're right. getting in on it. Well, a lot of good people, on you, disparate people, but together. But uh we also love making time for the finance news headlines mm. and intriguing money-related events among everything else. So, shall we get into it? Yeah. Here are the hot topics in Moneyland. Okay, so I'm going to start off today with some, I guess, unsurprising news, but some spicy mm. news as well, I would say. Ooh. So, property prices, they, oh, oh I know, they've Always. gone mad and they're growing, <laughs> exponentially growing. Mm. Uh, yesterday, I think you might have seen this already, Liv, yeah. but yesterday the ABS announced that um, the largest quarterly price increase on record, um, at least since 2003 when they started recording mm. it. Um, and that's after a year of steady growth um, and steady might even be an understatement in that regard. So uh. effectively, the Australian property market um, reached a cumulative total of something like $9 trillion yesterday. Okay. Crazy, crazy. <laughs> and sometimes money. I'm just like, what do I even do with that information? I don't even know. It's anymore. hard to process just by itself, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but why? Why are things booming? Well, uh, interest rates are very low, at near record mm-hmm. lows, in fact. And uh, supply is currently pretty limited as well. But there could be another factor involved. <gasps> and that is uh, my news piece, uh, first news piece of the week. Um, because it's all about lies. Lies, <gasps> lies, and more lies. Drama. That's, yeah, that's right. So apparently, a fair chunk of home loan applicants are lying about their financial situation so they can be granted a mortgage, which in turn mm. could be helping drive up prices as you know more eligible buyers kind of chase the market to get into it. Yeah, and, with all that big bank money ready to go. That's right. Uh, And this reasoning, it came from a new survey released by investment bank UBS, which was also reported uh, on by the ABC, which is where I get this. I got this information from. Um, And in this UBS survey, um, they asked 900 people who had purchased a home in the past year whether or not they'd uh, included any kind of 
factual inaccuracies, aka they lied um, on Ooh. their application. And it turns out that 41% of people in that survey said that they had, which is kind of huge, right? Yeah, like, <laughs> almost half. <laughs> almost half. Okay, yeah, guys. Half. Um, so US um, UBS has been doing this kind of survey since 2015 um, when people's responses to lying was about 27%. Last okay. year, it was 38%. And, you know, so lying is on the rise, uh, just like property prices. Um, oh, it's all coming together. Exactly. <laughs> and unsurprisingly, uh, the most common misrepresentations were all about basically painting a prettier financial picture of, <laughs> of oneself. So mm. 34% of people said that they um, just lied about minimizing their living costs. Um, okay. uh, 28% uh, played down their financial commitments and 22% said they had a higher income than they actually okay. did. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, who, who doesn't want to do that? So yeah, I, mm. I, get, I get it. Um, also, the degree of these inaccuracies went up over the past year, which basically means that people were telling bigger lies than they had previously. Right. You're like, I'm making millions. Give me well, a loan. Go Kind on. of. So, for example, <laughs> um, of those who overstated their income, 36% did so by more than a quarter, which if my Ooh. maths are right, that would be like saying that you made $100,000 a year when you really made $80,000 a year. So That's a pretty, a yeah, rather substantial, hey. And I'm sort yeah. of like... Couldn't that be very easily disproved? Well, that's the thing. And that's the thing that, yeah, I might mention a little bit later on. But, yeah, it does seem okay. a little bit suspicious that people can just do that. But one mm. more little fun fact um, to end with is that uh, borrowers who used mortgage brokers were almost, uh, well, were more likely to submit inaccurate applications versus people who went, you know, directly through a bank. And the majority right. – um, who said they had lied, also said that their broker encouraged them to do so, which is a little bit dodgy. Naughty. Yeah, naughty, naughty. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. So on the flip side, APRA, who are basically the banking regulator in this respect, um, they reckon everything's pretty chill, the whole situation in general, because last Friday, APRA chair, which I love, I love her as a a title, um, APRA Mm. chair Wayne Buyers, Burrs, I don't know how to say his name, actually. Um, yeah, Ys make things difficult. Yeah. It's a double do. Y name. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he said that there's no obvious poor quality lending going on and that the reduction okay. in high LVR and interest-only loans, you know, it kind of balances out the massive debt-to-income situation which is going on right now. So, okay. all in all, uh, two kind of perspectives there, but what does this all mean for you? Well, even though Wayne is uh, feeling pretty chill about it, um, it's Wayne's still relaxed. He is. <laughs> he's very chill. Uh, it's probably still not a great sign that people are increasingly feel, feeling like they need to lie on their loan applications in order to yeah. borrow these pretty significant sums, which people are doing right now. Um, and also, uh, this is a point that I raised earlier, it, it kind of interests me about whether or not open banking is going to make mm. lying about these kind of things harder in the future. So basically, you know, if you allow it, your your bank will be able to um, share information with another bank, um, your financial information. So that would make things harder. But again, you'd have to opt into that. So, you know, maybe That's people right. that are lying won't opt in. 
but not going techie. And I mean, we do have a whole episode on open banking, don't we? we? I'm do. trying to remember which number it was, but it was in our last digital finance series. So if you want to remember what it all means, we can we'll go back and have a listen to the back chat. In your feeds and find yeah. it. So, so yes. yeah, you can lie. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> Liv, do you, do you have any lying news for us today? Um, no, but I do have some more. Uh, I guess spying is in a way lying. Oh. Um, it's kind of a little bit similar. Um, this one's a bit technical and it's um, about something that I don't actually use, which is quite fun. And um, that's, you know, kind of related also to the whole open banking thing. And that is um, mobile payments and digital wallets. And I know this is something. You don't use mobile payments. No, look, my, firstly, my phone is very old and limited and turns off when it gets too hot in the sun. So I don't, I don't really, um, trust it to like, not so much to be secure, but more to like be working when I need it to work. Actually so I open have, Apple Pay or Google yeah, Pay or whatever you want. Yeah. 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 And to not just like, yeah, run out of battery when I need and to And you don't want to be the something. person in line, like trying to load up your phone to tap. Oh, so just, awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, besides the point, yeah, I just – I don't use it. So, I was looking into this and I was like, what are we talking about? Um, but basically, the crux is it another acronym, ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, which I love to say. It's very fun to say. Um, they've launched an investigation into the way that Apple – oh, dear Apple um, – restricts certain types of mobile payments. And this is basically because uh, big old juggernaut Apple wants to run the world, you know? Yep. And um, so, they are only letting um, the bank's digital cards make tap-and-go purchases if they're stored in the Apple wallet itself. So, instead of being like via a bank's uh, specific app or another digital wallet oh, service. really? Yeah. Yeah. And if, and if not, it like reroutes it through the Apple Pay service. And at oh, first I was sneaky. like- Yeah. At first I was like, who really cares? I don't like, it's still all just happening and it doesn't really- affect the customers so probably the customers don't care but who would have guessed the banks and apple do <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought and um uh they really care because this is all off the back of a complaint from uh combank so our big old uh largest bank uh because apple charges banks a few cents i, th- I don't think they can just dis- they disclose exactly how much but it's a few cents for every 100 dollars worth of transactions through apple pay okay. and basically because the only way you can pay on an iPhone is through Apple Pay, despite having different cards, then that's going to happen whenever you make a mobile p- transaction. Mm. And um, obviously, the banks aren't happy about that because it's costing them a bit of money than cutting into a specific uh, profit scheme called interchange fees. And I say this is technical because I was like, oh, okay, what's that now? Do you know what that is? Because I had to look it up. I wasn't Fine. immediately aware. It's definitely a term that I've come across, but I could not give you the definition. Yeah, <laughs> right? You're like fees. Fees are a thing that someone pays. Well, basically, this is a fee that the merchant's bank, so whichever bank the business you're purchasing something from uses, so the, mm-hmm. the merchant's bank has to pay the cardholder's bank whenever a transaction is made. So, it's actually got nothing to do with businesses or customers. It's the banks doing some stuff. Yep. And so, this whole setup and the revenue earned from it is – are quite regulated, very heavily regulated. Um, but Apple, which is not a bank, or at least, you know, not yet, maybe that's their plan, a pie in the sky, um, 
they operate outside of this payment regulation, so things are different for them. Mm. And so naturally, the banks are saying that this isn't fair competition. They're like, ACCC, it's not fair. Come on. Please, Um, please. Please give us more money. And likely, uh, this is because it looks like uh, this was in, I think, a Business Insider article. I'm not really sure where they got this calculation from, seeing as Apple doesn't disclose it. But they say it looks like around $100 million a year worth of profits from this going to Apple. Wow. Yeah, off this very specific little system trickery thing. For every $100 equals $100 million. Yeah, it's a lot, right? Um, it is, yeah. But we have a rebuttal, and I love a debate. I was on the debate mm. team in high school. So uh, Apple's rebuttal is that, nah, that their service is actually more competitive but for consumers because basically it's letting consumers uh, like toggle between a range of cards like you can in the, in the app from what I've heard. I don't use it myself. Um, between a range of cards like you would, you know, like in an old school wallet, you can choose which card you want rather than being like locked into the one bank affiliated card like you would be if you were using um, your bank's app. You want to, you have to use your, your Commonwealth Bank card with your Commonwealth Bank app or whatever else. I can um, conf- so that's- confirm that that is the case. Yes. Okay, so fantastic. More, Great. More I, I was sort of. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. They're like, nah, it's actually more competitive and you just want to make money. And I'm like, you all want to make money, but whatever. So that's the situation. But because I, I'm not anti, you know, technological development, but I am very skeptical. And so I just wanted to pull in some other fun iPhone and Apple, Apple Ooh, okay. digital wallet facts. Yeah, I just thought while well, I'm at it. So um, um, I looked through a few different sources and the numbers do. Um, differ a little bit, but apparently in July, um, Apple Pay had an 80% market share in digital wallet payments. What? So, like, lots of people with iPhones are doing that. Although Apple was like, it's not even that bad because it's only 10% of overall Mm. credit card or debit card spending. You're like, oh, okay. So, people are still using their physical plastics. Definitely. And, yeah. um, yeah. And then this was another fun point off the back of a, a conversation we have with the burrito team about like who's using what kind of phone. And I think we were, you guys, we were all like, oh, probably mostly uh, uh, Apple phones. And I, so I looked into it and there are actually more phones um, running the Android operating system than the iOS, which just means iPhone operating system. For some reason, I didn't realize that in Australia. It's very close. It's around uh, 55% to Android, 45 to iPhones, and a few zero points um, oh, in there. I'm part of the yeah. majority, man, with my Google's yeah. phone. Yeah. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, interesting. And then what I found is most interesting and just upsetting for equality and whatnot, um, that globally it shifts massively to Android's favor. So, like, 75%-ish to 25%-ish because you can get a cheap couple hundred dollar Android phone, but you can't really get a, a new iPhone that is like a cheap version. It's just the iPhone and it just That's gets it. newer and more and more dollars <laughs> and more and more money. And I'm like, okay, I don't really feel bad for you, Apple, but um, they're my fun phone facts. I love um, those. Thank you. <laughs> but um, in terms of the original story, um, what does it really mean for everyone? Not much right now. Basically, the ACCC is looking into it all. And um, depending on the outcome, it could mean a few different things. So, 
you know, maybe Apple won't be able to profit off banks in this way, that $100 million, maybe that'll go somewhere else, who knows? Maybe it'll affect your Apple Pay setup. I don't know, maybe that'll have to change. Or maybe banks will have to, like, offer non-affiliated bank cards in their digital wallets for better competition because there's all this debate happening. So it's very exciting, maybe. (laughs) Or maybe it's very boring. I don't know. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But right now, it sort of has more to do with the multi-million dollar corporations and and banking giants than um, us humble peasants. So we'll just let that play out and then see how it affects us. <laughs> but- I'm interested. I think, I think that's really interesting. But, you know, yeah. that, that usually means that it's terribly boring. So who knows? Yeah, but also that there's big money at stake. And um, do you have money. any more for the peasants, us peasants out there? Do you have more peasant news? I do. I, like, I, I, I always appreciate it. <laughs> definitely. I, and, you know, this is definitely a big money story. And, it comes from across the Tasman, which is, uh, you know, mm. a place that I love to visit. So, you know, it, it applies to news stories as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, this was originally published in the New Zealand Herald, which reported last week about a company called The Safety Warehouse, which is not a company okay. that I had heard of before. And I imagine that you hadn't either, right, mm. Liv? No. Okay. Well, they sell <laughs> they sell safety equipment like face masks and hard hats and high vis and you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and back in December 2020, they undertook a PR stunt, which was billed as a one hundred thousand dollar cash drop. So, Ooh, la, la. yes, it sounds quite fancy, quite fun. So essentially, they were going to drop a hundred thousand dollars from the sky in a big public square in Auckland. You know, you get okay. the gist. Yeah. It's sure. this kind of thing. It's might lose before. some notes, but all right. Yeah. Let's, let's hope there's not a big gust of wind or something like that. It blows yeah. it into the harbour. So the controversy comes because uh, they've actually been issued with a formal warning by New Zealand's version of the ACCC, your favourite acronym. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is called the Commerce Commission, which sounds quite fancy as well in New Zealand. Mm. Um, as it turns out that the company, they only dropped about $3,600 worth of real cash, and the rest was made up of discount vouchers um, for its safety Ooh. equipment, which were disguised as fake $5 notes. Oh, you'd be disappointed, eh? You would be. <laughs> uh, yeah, safe to say people were pretty annoyed, um, mm-hmm. especially the 1,600 people or so who actually showed up for this event on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, oh, under, no. Yeah, because they were billing this as like a you know live cash giveaway where actual money will be falling from the sky. Um, yeah, so basically the claim is that the company misled consumers. Um, mm. People, you know, they traveled um, at their own personal expense to get there, so not fun. And when some realized that the money was fake, it all kind of turned to chaos um, where people started mm. to throw things and some people Ooh. ended up in hospital with bruising and cut from <gasps> glass. And oh, it basically... God. We were talking about this before the show, but it kind of reminded us of the um, the 2019 Westfield Parramatta giveaway where there were a bunch oh, of um, yeah. what like gift cards in balloons that were dropped. I think there were actual presents in them oh, as well, they? like actual items. I wow. remember this. Yeah. yeah. And so they were, they were dropped from the sky inside this mall and, yeah, basically created this stampede and people got hurt, which is not ideal. So, no. Yeah. Probably a good idea to not drop stuff from the sky, especially when it comes to money. And it's got to stop. Yeah. So at the time um, when the drop was first criticized, the company's main director um, said it was $100,000 in real money and the fake money discounts on top. I think that was $40,000 
um, in fact, mighty notes which were printed. Um, but now it's clear that that wasn't the case and that it was Bummer. like $3,000 or, or whatever um, actually eventuated. So a little bit dodgy from then. Um, and then one final note is that uh, it seems like w- at least one crafty attendee of the drop got something out of it because it was revealed that some of the fake money had been used to dupe a bar um, in Hamilton with workers at the Outback Inn discovering $20 worth of lookalike pills in their till upon closing oh, one Saturday night. So <sighs> You were totally, like, in the dark, especially in a bar. You could, if you something looked enough like and felt enough like a, a note, yeah, exactly. you could totally get that wrong. But that oh, probably got my heart goes blokes, out to them. Yeah, it's got this, like, bloke's face from this company on it and, yeah, although twenty bucks, not too bad, really. Yeah. As things go, but who you wants do to get a bar or a pub? It's not They're very nice, especially people. these days. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> what does this uh, kind of series of shenanigans mean for you? Uh, not a lot, but maybe as yeah. we said before, don't go to balloon drops or cash stampedes because you know you're probably going to be let down, which I think is yeah. fair enough. It's also just like it makes me just worry about humanity the way we just crawl over the top of each other for money and stuff i am pretty surprised that 1600 people turned up for that that is a yeah, lot I mean, especially on a weekend on the weekend i enjoy finding money on the ground i get pretty excited about it so i can i kind of get i feel i get the rush that maybe you'd be like oh yeah mom i want to do this you'd but be in there throwing elbows when you make maybe it. but if enough people know about it then yeah, yeah. you've sort of you've, you've lost the chance work. a bit yeah. Oh, dear. But I thought, I mean, while that was a very fun story, we could have ended on that. Um, fun and sad. A little bit sad. Yes. Yep. I thought we might wrap up today with just a couple of, a bit of a follow-up round from a few stories that we've been looking at um, that have been developing over the past couple of weeks or even mm-hmm. into last month. I thought that was kind of, there's been some pertinent news um, that I think we should mention. And um, the first, uh, quite a big and exciting one, um, is uh, about the Olympics and Paralympics, which we're mentioning for a third time on the podcast. We're loving the sport. Oh, yeah. We're loving the sport. And I think um, it might have been two episodes back we spoke about how Paralympics weren't getting uh, any money for uh, yeah, the winning medals, which is something that their able-bodied Olympian mates were getting. That's I think right. It was like, yeah, 20 grand for gold and down for the various medals. And then I think two days after um, we recorded that episode, old ScoMo announced that this would change. So that's kind of nice. And I mean, the news obviously came out before we talked about it, but, you know, good on any and all media coverage of this because it looks like talking about it publicly did something really, really immediately, which is unusual. Yeah. Yay, affecting change. Um, so that's a good one. And then the other one that I thought was interesting is about Disney. So a ways back now, I think it was episode 38, we discussed how uh, good old Scarlett Johansson was uh, suing Disney for releasing uh, Black Widow on yes. um, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. And she wasn't um, getting as much money. Yeah, because it was while it was – it came out on Disney+, Plus while it was still in theatres, which mm. could – it's like it doesn't necessitate that you won't get as much money, but it could potentially mean that she wouldn't get as big a cut from revenue and sales theatres, which is a thing that actors get, which I actually didn't know about. I assume that would all go to the studios or whatever. But um, there's actually no news on the lawsuit front that I could find. It's scaring the internet, but it's essential finance news. <laughs> um, but what's interesting is that Disney 
has announced that its remaining 2021 releases, I think there are like five or six sort of big ones coming out this year still, um, will premiere exclusively in theatres for up to 45 days. So I think it's about like a month to 45 days before then becoming available on Disney Plus and whatever other streaming platforms they choose. So while, yeah, they're being a little bit cautious now, even though when they first responded, they were like, you can't sue us, this, we're allowed to do this. So it's kind of interesting that that's happened to that's all. That's good. Good for the theatres as well. It's, you know, yeah, I think they should yeah, survive totally. and be, you know, still places that people want to go to watch films. So Big time. I'm excited good. to go back. I almost bought some popcorn to make it home the other day, <gasps> and I was like, what's the point? It's not going to be as good as the theatre <laughs> no, popcorn. No, never as good. It hasn't been sitting in butter for long enough. <sighs> No, you got to yeah, you got to soak it. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, fun little fun little changes on episode topics uh, gone by there. It's making me think that we've recorded a lot of these now, which is fun. And I also just you know love a natural conclusion to an episode. It's a nice way to wrap things up. Me too. Uh, uh, you know, I'm waiting for the the Keanu update from last week and whether or not yeah. he's actually behind all those scams that were going on. <laughs> My money well, that we'll is that it. he is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we we'll keep an Definitely. eye on it, see how this going. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking of happy conclusions, it is a time for us to say goodbye mm-hmm. as well. But before you jump off, we would just like to thank our whole burrito team as usual, our producer Claire, our social media manager Rihanna, and our researcher Ella. Yeah, thanks, friends, and the listeners out there. Catch you on the flip. See you guys. Just remember, as Mozo writers, we're providing general financial product information. So we're not taking into account your specific financial situation, needs, or personal objectives. We are not recommending any specific product to you. The best advice we can give is for you to make your own financial decisions and seek out independent advice. This podcast was brought to you by mozo.com.au.